Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. We ain't got the full sunshine that we've had the last few days with being ginger and stuff. You need to kind of hide away from those bright rays. Get that factor 30 on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Luke and the dog are both respecting a bit of uh, muggy weather rather than that beating sun. You got a dog? Bruce, yeah. yeah. Well, he's, he's more than a dog. He is. <laughs> he's a full member of Muck Spreader. What kind of dog? It, well, that's a difficult question. Some people call him a dog. Some people call him a seal. Some people call him a badger. I mean, he's many things. But he, in breed-wise, he's a Staffordshire Bull Terrier. He's a little rescue boy. Who calls him a badger? Uh, my aunts. Most, mostly my aunts call him a badger. Our he, friends under the ground. Exactly. <laughs> This isn't the this isn't the dog from Woody, is it? Well, the dog from Woody is like my dog from home is called Woody, and a lot of the lyrics from that song is my mother is things that my mum says about the dog. Don't worry about the dog; he's lovely, really. I promise you, he won't bite because he he's big <laughs> and scary, and he's very anxious. He's another rescue, like a Belgian Malinois. And people are intimidated by him, so we constantly feel the need to apologise. Although he doesn't bite or hurt, he's just scared himself. He's an archetype. Well, if you, bro, would, if you had off. to, if you had to draw a, a dog that that looked like it was a guard dog, it would be Woody. But he is the loveliest dog I've ever hung out with. Like the song is about like many different dogs. Like originally, when we first started playing, we had our own night in um, the Ivy House in South London, which is like a really famous old venue that Wilco Johnson, Dr. Feelgood, Ian Jury and people played. They tried to shut it down. It's got a grade listed stage and the rules were always free entry, all ages and please bring your dogs if you have a dog. <laughs> so we'd play on stage with loads of dogs dogs laying around us some atmosphere yeah like we're here, we're here to love the animals you know we're, like muck spreaders for the underdog these guys ain't got a voice so we feel like we need to represent those without voices there's a bond between humans and dogs that runs runs back a long long time they are they're basically like, they're like the wild side that we tame in order to hang around with us you know they're they're integral for personally they're integral to the way that i operate you know, they teach me so much hanging around with dogs. In terms of just like the fact that when you're looking after another creature, it teaches you a lot about yourself. I think, yeah, understanding how they operate and then being able to kind of use their view of the world to kind of loosen up your own view of the world. You know, they kind of, they're carefree, man. They live for the moment and that's kind of beautiful. You know, they don't, they don't hold grudges. They don't, they don't get angry for, for too long. They don't get upset for too long. They kind of move on. They see things as they are. I watched a film called Stray recently, which was following the dogs around, the stray dogs around in Turkey. And it's just kind of beautiful to see dogs sort of interacting with humans in a completely natural way to the dog, even though they're kind of domesticated dogs. It's, it was really worth watching. Had a little tear in my eye at some points, you know. 
And the film White God, I think it's Bulgarian or something about the, the pack of wild dogs that come and run and take over a town. Also another great dog reference. <laughs> <laughs> wait, back up. Wait, hang on. They take over a yeah, town. Yeah, it's like a pack of stray dogs. It's called White God. It was on um movie for a while. It's a little bit arty, but we don't mean to be pretentious. <laughs> it's interesting. Well, you were, you were you know, kind of talking there about the dogs and what they can teach about living in the moment. And I know you're a fan of Joseph Boys as well. Yes, uh, yeah. completely. He's someone who's always kind of talking, or I guess believed in the value of process over product. Is are you? Is that kind of coming from a similar thing? That idea of living in the moment is it linked to that idea of it's com- process? It's so deeply involved and entrenched in muck spreader of where we completely just allow whatever's influenced us on the day or the week or whatever leading up we just take the moment the hour half hour on stage the day or two in the studio we're just completely committed to that moment and the thing of bliss of everybody being an artist is something we completely relate to well I do and I think I speak for the rest of the band saying so that we believe in the creative potential of every human being and living thing Luke's Luke's really is Boyce and I I heard something about Boyce once and I don't know is it true that he he was in a plane crash and he got really bad burns is this and then is this true this this is what they say like with him there's many myths like Tom Waits or Bob Dylan that he landed in a plane crash and then got covered in felt and fat and taken into a village. I think, it might, I'm not sure what, whether it was World War Two, but his plane had crashed in the villages and some villagers took him in and that's where his relation to loads of the materials that he repeatedly uses throughout his work comes from. Because for me, that just represents an idea that he took like trauma and then turn that into a positive experience for himself. And I think that that's, that's the kind of, for, that's it for, for Mark's brother. It's that joy of being, taking the things that have happened to us in the past and then releasing them when we go on stage or when we go into the studio or when we hang out with each other, you know. It's like a, it's a, for me, it's a release, you know, like therapy in a way. 100%. Is that something you saw as well? I know you used to do like spoken word nights. Uh, was it addiction clinics? Yeah, I, I, it was a thing called Sickwell, which was run with one of my friends who, deals with people in suffering states and we just make a a space as safe as possible for everyone to get up and express themselves there's no judgment but do you know there's a guy called Gabor Mate who's uh I can't remember where he's from but he dealt with addiction and the relation to it with trauma in, in the streets of Toronto so it's loosely based in this sort of thing of like if you have a community and somewhere to express it otherwise you like lots of people write poetry and write things down and they just need like a collective or a community behind them to push them to be brave enough to express themselves and once you've done it to overcome that hurdle it makes many other challenges in life seem like futile overcoming that hurdle of finding a a space to be safe and yeah and a community right? yeah of getting a stage of like so where we've just been on tour, an amazing boy called George Spence has been like our tour manager. He's a lot younger than us. And I managed to find out that he's a poet or a spoken word artist. And he's never performed. He's only done it online. So hell is sure we keep pushing him and we're going to get him on stage <laughs> and make sure he reads before this tour's over. We've got a couple more dates left and we're going to drag George up and make him play. Because we know there's only good can come from it. How long did it take you to find that space where you could be kind of free and creatively and feel safe? And I started off initially, like I've always wanted to be involved in music. I, I began running nights and putting on events and then started a band. And I, initially I was in a hardcore band and my expression would be mainly driven by fear and fear resulting in either anger or fast craziness. Was that Zulu? Yeah, Zulu. So that was my first band there, which I initially like, I was going for loads of stuff personally, and I started writing it, and that that was a release, and I realised that how much more beneficial it is, like the process of making music rather than the result. When you kind of look back on that in reflection, does it almost feel like a stepping stone to get to the creative project now with Muck Spreader? Completely, I feel like. Me, me and Oscar who sat with me here we've been working together a long time in different guises and stuff like performing but not under names or like Mike Spread it kind of just happened that after Zulu broke up I took some time away and now I used to just get on stage on my own and scream and shout write, perform words and drag people from the crowd up 
So initially, muck spreader was just anyone in the crowd who would come and play while I'm reading poems. And then one of our friends, Clams from Woomda, she was like, I've booked you for an actual gig, you need a name. So we decided to take it a step more serious, but always remain with the uh, improv in the moment. Yeah, it kind of, well, and also the interlude at F Band. We basically, me, Luke, and a friend of ours were running a, a night in my house essentially and it start. we had the spoken word at the beginning and then got got a few bands in and luke kind of spearheaded a thing called f band which was like he was saying people who came along to the night we had everything set up anyway so we just got people up on stage and had a jam we had we yeah it was good man and i think for me that was a that was a moment where we started thinking actually improvisation is the freest form it's the most it's the biggest release you can get from sitting being with people and kind of everyone feeling feeling like they're part of something that's that for me the community element of music arts poetry is is really what it's about and also like helping other people who are also struggling in their own ways to kind of say look you can you can be here you can be who you are here that's i mean it's so cliche but i think i think it's necessary and i think it's good to repeat it so people know that it hasn't disappeared from this kind of like world we live in you know let's all struggle together rather than struggling alone mm. it makes struggling a whole lot more fun that's it what what do you think it means to be brave with music? In order to like, in order to challenge, like, what pe a lot of people are driven by expectations. They turn up to a gig and they either heard something online or they see what the other bands. In order to like step through and try and do something different, it, and it's brave for anyone who gets up on the stage. Like again, with our tour, there's a girl called Nuha we're playing with, and she gets on the stage every night on her own without a backing track, and that's brave. Like. To get up without, with Muck Spreader, I have a massive team behind me. I look and I feel strength from them. To get up on your own is the bravest thing. And anyone does it in any capacity, regardless of the result, it needs to be celebrated. Yeah, bra bravery is, um, it's an interesting word for it, but I think it is brave to sort of expose yourself especially music music is an ex exposition of yourself and an exposition of the people you're with and i think that there's you have to be brave to do that not in a not in a kind of like warrior version of brave but just like from an inner inner workings of the word brave you know what i mean yeah to open up to vulnerabilities yeah yeah i mean is it when you're in that creative space you know when you're because a lot of the music comes from improvisation, right? For the most part, the majority. Yeah, like one person on their own at home is starting off playing, they get a riff and they take it to other people, they develop the riff and you write down the first things that come to your head and go back and analyse it. It's like the conventional way, perhaps, of writing. So it does take foundations. We're just taking it a little, a little step further because we've developed the inner editing and filtering in our heads with the moment before. We yeah. we self edit as we're going along. Yeah, I think we with our with the live show it's it's uh it's just this kind of synergy of, of people and then in the studio it's slightly different. It's kind of we we have the same attitude but I think through playing live we develop an understanding with each other and we all kinda of understand how the next person works along and it and it clicks and you know that it's it's not always instant but it, it it happens and i think that that's that's where the magic is for me man i'm intrigued by what you were saying there as well you know that idea of self-editing yeah what, what exactly do you mean by that what does that look like in practice you know, well it, for me in practice it's almost meditation it's creating a space between your thoughts and being able to have a like a gap like i'm where i make up all of the words on the spot always I've like I'm completely accepting of myself and all parts of it. I've I do and I'm working constantly and trying to be a better person. So I have no fear or no filter of what I'm gonna say. But from doing it so long, you like I used to write and I worked out the techniques I used to write and now I'm just able to do that off of the cuff. So there's like an an element of the self editing is like you need to in some way find a rhyme, not at the end of each line. I'm not even in something from the line before, but you you get caught in a flow and you're there for like editing yourself because you're not like you think about you're not thinking about what you say before you say it, but from the practices of meditation and stuff, you're able to gain like space and clarity between your thoughts. So it's almost like you're able to slip 
into the tracks but you don't know where the train's going would that kind of be an analogy for it absolutely perfect like the thing i always use is as if there's like a a beam of light or something going on above my head constantly and i can just pick and choose to like unplug hard like hardwired into my brain and just tap into the light above and just let that go and then jump into that constant like train of surreal freestyle thought that's happening like kind of like the beat poets or something with um you know like with jack carrack writing on the road all in one go and um stream of consciousness is what i'm looking for i mean that what you were saying there that idea of almost like tapping into the light above comes back to boys again and this idea of creating being like a shamanistic thing almost exactly Mm. it's completely this is like so much of my attachment and the fact that Boyce also he has a permanent exhibition in the in the Tate in London in normal times you can walk into free any moment and I often just go and stand in the Boyce room and like a lot of his stuff with developing his schools in Germany and planting the trees I, I do believe the creativity has that not not magical but there's a part of it's something that can't be completely explained. It is shamanistic. What about for you, Oscar? What does that headspace that you create from kind of feel like? D- what, during performance? I guess, yeah, performance or even more so when you're in that improvisational space in the studio and kind of you're all operating as a group and creating. It's, it's it, it, for, for me, it's an interesting space because Luke and I lived lived together for a few years and we would spend hours just chatting nonsense and also kind of freestyling over other people's beats and kind of practicing in that way. But in terms of musicality and, and playing the instruments and playing instruments, it's kind of, for me, it's a real inwards journey because it's, it's a struggle. I'm not like a fully trained jazz musician. I don't come from that background. I'm kind of pretty much self-taught with, with the guitar or with the keys. So it, I, at the beginning, it was really, it was really inwards and it would kind of be difficult for me to get up on stage. But I knew that by facing that difficult part of myself, that kind of un, uncharted part of my musical playing, it was a good thing to do. And it was actually teaching me more about like my fears and my kind of inhibitions and trying to, <clears throat> trying to kind of work around them. And as it's gone on, it's still a struggle, but I, I gain more joy out of, out of performing, out of, being part of something you know I work on I work on another musical project and that's a similar ethos but it's like every time we're with Muck Spreader it's like it it's like inwards but also really much outwards because you're standing there in front of people you're standing there in front of people who are there to see you and there to enjoy what you have and I just want to share that so I'm trying to it's kind of inwards and outwards it's a it's a it's a it's a good space to be in I think it's reciprocal almost all feeds in I think with the audience it is yeah definitely with people sitting down at shows it's like normally we'll have like people jump around and whatnot, but like you can see where we're like we're very reactive to the audience you know and all like the style of night that we're playing on we're completely adaptable but with the people sitting down I've had to find a place to like you'll get the same performance I'm still going to jump up and down and go mad but I need to find that drive within myself rather than like looking at the whites of the eyes of someone in the crowd or like seeing the person that the music's connecting with because for me essentially I'm an audience member as well I just have the mic like I'm feeding from the band wherever they decide to drive or take it will like completely affecting the output of my words and vocal but I'm at the mercy of it as much as what the audience are. I don't have a clue what's coming next either. I've I've really got I've really enjoyed watching people chair dance. That's been one of my favourite things. <laughs> I think they should give everyone wheelchairs so that at least they can chair dance while they move about with the wheelchairs a bit. It'd be like murder ball with it, rugby. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> wheelchair rugby. <laughs> well, when you're in that space, you know where you're sitting there. It's almost like a level playing field that you're one of the audience members. What? How do the roles that instinct and self doubt play in that space compare personally i don't have any self-doubt i believe completely that i'm born to do this i have something important to like in important to say and share and i think like that that, like we can really help people you know like because we're confronting our fears and dealing with issues openly that otherwise people especially making guitar music and stuff like you often find yourself amongst the outsiders and the freaks and the underdogs and that's exactly like 
it's exactly where we are. We have no, there's no sense of ego. And if we spot it arising amongst each other, we police that. Not that we like police, though. <laughs> but but we, <laughs> we, we try and stand out, you know, like, I'm a, like often our tour manager I noticed our tour driver had a, a guitar in the back of his van and I was like hey man what are you going to play with us tonight it's it's that sort of it's, it's an open forum what about I actually meant when I was initially starting off and I meant instinct and conscious thought you know those kind of two other sides of the spectrum yeah completely I think instinct and intuition are obviously the the, the key goal of what, of what you want to achieve is that to trust your instincts and to know and believe in yourself like often the first decision you make is right and eradicating the questioning of yourself do you do you mean instinct as in like the subconscious and conscious mind yeah like doing things without thinking just follow, following following your gut okay yeah yeah that's what i do yeah i think i, I think that they they have to be balanced right because obviously you're there you're not in your own head when you're stood on stage with all these people around you, but you are in your own head with all these people <laughs> stood around you. So it's like a, it's not always 50-50 with the sub and conscious mind states. I think that letting go to a point where your subconscious is taken over, but you're conscious of the movements and you're conscious of the noises and sounds and energy of the audience and the energy of each other. When I'm on stage and I'm, I look around, I, I keep I, I keep my eyes on everyone because it's important to make make that eye contact, see see the other people at where they're at because you can you can just sense so much from people's eyes. You don't have to talk; you can really sense it. And like I, I try my best in gigs is to try and keep that energy good and keep that energy like happy because I know that what what we do as musicians behind what Luke is doing as a frontman and as and as a lyricist is like we 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 create that we create that backdrop and that backdrop is integral to what goes on and i think if we're not feeling it then it's going to reflect on on where luke gets to stand on it and sometimes that's a good thing but i think in the majority of the time it's it's good to have that synergy between the music and the words and the performance because luke is a performer and well, we're all performers, but you know he's he's there. He's he's the one. He's the one giving the crowd the eyes. You know, you got to give the crowd the eyes. You've got to respect them. Yeah. You've got to respect yourself, and you've got to respect the microphone. It's such a privilege and an honor to be able to get on stage and to perform, or to like to even have a mic and to perhaps one person listen to what you're saying. It's so important. You've got to respect and be grateful for that. Any opportunity to play everywhere because. Lots of people want to make music. Lots of people want gigs. And we're lucky enough to have kept working at this and now we've got opportunities to play gigs. And we've every time we must remind ourselves how lucky and how important it is to have this opportunity. Yeah. Do you have moments like that on stage where that's something that kind of all hits you and you get that clarity and realise how special this opportunity is? Every time, man, for me. Yeah, for me, every time. Like, well before I, well before I go on in the morning of the gig, I know that it's like... This is work well, be, like well beyond ourselves and the the seven members in the room, and it's an imp it's an important practice. Like we are, we are a collective. It's not Mux Breder takes so much more than the people that are on the stage. It's like the conversations you have with people during the week or everything that's going on, especially with our like our friend Alice who takes our photos and shot the wood he video. Mm. She's like she's integral in our process as well, and then. Also, like we have, like there's many, many people who are muckers. Like we have a, a fan called Johnny who's from Cambridge who comes to all of our shows and has been there from the beginning. Yeah, and he's like as much as part of the band as any of us are. It comes back to that idea of a community thing. Exactly, hundred percent. And Boyce again. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to keep coming back up in this chat. You can see he's reoccurring. He's a wolf in the room, and he has that. <laughs> like also his idea of like always wearing the fisherman's jacket and the hat like almost like Bart Simpson or something keeping this sort of like the idea of image is also completely relevant in Muck's brother the characters yeah yeah that's it the characters I mean speaking of the characters I'm trying to think is uh what's the song you kind of slip into the the perspective of an atom bomb on again on the new EP oh uh masquerade no no uh Oh, I don't even. It's either Mass Graves or a particular shade of white. Is it the one that sounds like a western? Yeah, I think it's particular shade of white, isn't it? 
maybe. Yeah, yeah, particular yeah. shade of white, the Western one. We just shot a video for that. Yeah, that the, the atom bomb reference there at the moment. I didn't realize it. We're listening back as I'm calling the phone an atom bomb. Like, there's a tiny little me living in your pocket. It's like literally one day all of us will have one. It's like the the idea of the phone and the power of the phone is equivalent to an atom bomb, and like the damage and destruction it can cause. I think we're a lot less aware of that damage, though, and the destruction that it's capable of. What the te- the, the nuclear bomb or the phone? The phone. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think my generation has forgotten what a nuclear bomb is. Actually, I don't think I don't think people people really think about what was going on in the eighties for our parents' generation. But the mm. phone is definitely a, it's the bomb. It's yeah. the it's the it's the mental illness bomb. Actually, <laughs> I think there's so much space on on those platforms and programs i mean they do good for us with our instagrams and all these kind of social media outlets because it gives us a, a portal to communicate with people who enjoy our music but on the same time it's it actually what i heard someone say the other day is that social media or the internet is the biggest drug of the 21st century it's like you can you know booze is a drug it depends some people are going to have a little bit in the evening and it's all good and some people like to have a too much in the morning and then it's not so good potentially but that's what social media does and it's that algorithm that can hook you in those those computers are so intelligent those algorithms are, they're, they're, I, I don't know I don't want to get into it but the whole the whole future of, of technology and humans is a very interesting space like I'd only gone back on when I'd taken my break from music and performing and stuff I'd t- I wasn't on social media at all the only purpose of me going back on it was in order to promote the band is now such a necessity yeah to use it as a tool not to be used like a tool by it you know many people as soon as they wake up like i'm victim to it often they wake up straight away they're gonna go look at their they look at their phone coffee and phone in the mornings well i have a cigarette normally once as soon as i open my eyes but <laughs> how else am i meant to maintain this voice <laughs> tom Waits style out here well, Louis Armstrong, but... <laughs> I mean, talking of voices, what were you tapping into for the voice of the, the atom bomb or the cell phone? I actually, like, again, that is part of being tuned into this higher light and the part, like, being part of the moment. I'm not actually really aware of what I'm saying. I listen to it back and then find that there's a meaning, there's meaning in it, obviously, but I'm not fully aware of the meaning or the metaphors or the picture that I'm painting until I've actually taken time to listen back and reflect on it and I can, I realise what I've said and it's reference afterwards. What about for you, Oscar? Do you feel like you're aware of it while it's happening when you're in that space? Creating, creating the music. I've, again, I think it's like that balance I'm trying to find between going too much inwards and also and also going outwards with with the actions because too much conscious thought for me constipates what could come out but with if you don't think at all then it can be it can be a mess and that sometimes works we've we've done recordings in the past where i've just had no regard for key or timing and that can sound interesting it's kind of anti-musical um and that's got its place you know like just making a racket like kind of calling back to people like faust you know there's an element of of there's a beauty in in just noise but i think that i'd like to think nowadays i sort of try and sit myself within within the group being part of the group but being myself and feeling feeling at ease with that with that kind of way of producing and that way of um, and with that way of kind of putting out creativity because i think it's too it's too easy just to say oh you know we just Im- i just improvise and it's whatever you know just comes out of my head but i think luke Luke's what Luke's explaining to you is like I think it's it's really good for his process I think that I'm I'm not quite there as I said you know all the great abstract painters all the greatest artists who end up painting like children do it from a place where they can draw perfectly it's not that they it's not that they set out one day to go I'm an abstract artist and I think that as Luke said through his writing it down understanding his process you know he's he's really gone through that but for myself I'm not I haven't learned it all so it's it's more of a balance it's more of a learning thing as I go along but that's what I really love to be yeah that's that's for me how I do it we're all growing we're all growing together yeah Uh, especially as a band when we're together we're all developing and constantly challenging each other 
which is amazing because you can see when bands rest on their laurels when they go on tour and they make they play the same set every night and make the same joke between songs they've become comfortable when you rehearse too much and everything must be precise and on point you become comfortable and look like you lose the moment of it because you're an autopilot where we're constantly someone will try always sonically try to challenge the others by being like hey this is where we're going are you ready for this adventure do you want to step in have you got your picnic blanket and sandwiches packed and also i think some muck spreader at the moment we have we have someone who's 19 and then someone who's in their fifth like late 50s you know so and I'm in I'm in the in the thirties, looks a bit younger than me. And then I think that that really feeds into it. There's a kind of I like to learn from younger people, I like to learn from older people. Everyone's got something that they bring to it. And there's like, you know, and also the fact that we've got this variety of musicians, some who are class, like classically trained jazz musicians who have that knowledge, who are the kind of experts, who letting go for them is like a it's it's like really freeing because they're so confined a lot of the time into these practicing runs for hours practicing scales for hours and they come onto the stage and you know i i'll be open about it when we play when we play sets i often have to turn to whoever's playing bass and go what's the root note what's the root note because otherwise i, I don't know where i'm starting so there's that supportive element in in that and it's again coming back to community it's like a little community of of musicians man and creative people. It's, it's, de it's definitely a family. Be like beyond the band, with everything, everyone that we come in contact with, where it's again down to respect, like Mike Spreader. We got to respect each other in order to feel safe to go and do this improvising thing. If there's an element that's not working, then we try, we try to address it and deal with it and help whatever the issue is overcome it. Yeah, like it completely is. It's a community that we're trying to create. We're not out here to be a band in the conventional sense. We're like out here to make everyone be artists. We want to, mm. through being this free, and we want to inspire other bands to challenge the way that they write and think, hey, look, these guys are doing it like this. Is there possibilities that maybe we can change and break out of the orthodox? Mm. It's a little like Tyson Fury, the way that he switches stance boxing. That's it. I like it was interesting that you were talking about the kind of age range in the band goes from someone who's 19 to someone who's in their 50s how do the lessons you learn from someone younger than you compare to the lessons you learn from someone much older with being older you've got to respect that they've like they're lucky enough to have been and existed on this planet in this form a lot longer than us been on stage many more times they've got like the wisdom of experience to draw on that naturally you want to learn and the person younger a lot of the time it's their first experiences of touring or of playing this sort of shows and you're like learning from their sort of I'm not sure if it's their like intrigue or curiosity like and again their understanding of where music and things are moving within a younger audience with someone younger being around it's like they are tapped into a different part of culture in a way. They're also tapped into their view on life in a different way. And there's so much to learn from someone who's got fresh eyes on certain situations because, you know, it's it's quite easy to get settled in your ways as you get older of like, that's how it is, that's how it's done. And when someone's young, younger sees that archetype and goes, yeah, but, you know, I've, I've always got time for someone to debate that, yeah, but, because... I found throughout life is that the most interesting people I've ever, older people I've I've ever learnt from are always ready to learn from from me as much as I am from them. You know, I think it, it's got to be reciprocal, these processes. And, and when someone's younger than yourself, as I said, it's like they, they, they live in a different world, which in Muck Spreader we're all part of. So it's like, it is, it's a reciprocal learning process the entire time like to think at night at 19 you're born and raised knowing the internet forever really fast wi-fi smartphones social media in your 50s you remember the development of the internet and how much this has literally changed everything especially in music and the way that is like consumed by audiences and stuff and that like me i'm 30 and i remember having to wait for my mum to use the phone to get on the dial up myspace yeah with the da -da 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 -da. 
Like, so this relationship with technology as well is also, it's huge amongst from younger people. They understand much more how to navigate this, this other world. Even though I don't even want to begin with dating apps, but. Yeah, the, uh, it, yeah. someone who's 19, 20 has been born in a world where there isn't, it, it's it's like one of their senses, the internet. Whereas I think Luke and I's generation, even though we're not far away from them, you know, we do remember, we do remember the time pre-smartphones. We do remember the time pre-podcast, basically, pre I remember. I remember online. the times when South London was so cut off that to get over to East London was a real event. And then to get home again, was a real event it's taking you two buses over an hour to get back before they put in these orange lines and change the dynamic of the city like coming from south london it was very it's very difficult to move about to other parts of the city we've always been the the poorer cousin there is an irony though isn't there for people who've grown up with the internet is there's this ability for connectivity but from talking to people who are in their early 20s it really feels like they they lack that community that we're trying to bring so I yeah, think it's, it's a dependency for them yeah it's it, it's like the possibility of of sharing everything but the kind of the nightmare of isolation that comes with that possibility of sharing you know and COVID's proved that as well when you everyone's been cut off from these real connections with others and it's been reduced to digital we've realized it doesn't work really yeah really I mean, it doesn't and like, the the rise in terms of mental health difficulties and stuff that has come from the sheer weight of what social media and its expectations on people is is wreaking havoc within young people's communities and that especially with young men and that this thing of sharing is very modern to talk about your your feelings and to not have to adhere to, to perhaps how our parents and things with what was expected of a man. Different expectations. I mean, the the thing with, with the thing with COVID and lockdown, it's it there are positives that have come out of it. I'm sure. Like I don't know, within your field, have you have you missed the? Did you work in an office before, or did, have you always worked solo? I mean, has it affected you? Well, I'm still at uni, so it's affected me in that regard. Yeah, because yeah, we've been in digital the whole time. Yeah, and, and they're still charging the same price. I know up in Scotland yeah. you've got the the politics a hell of a lot better than what we have down we here. Got that free education, baby. Yeah, you got the, the free education and free sanitary products for women. There's no, no, yeah. Also, that thing of you can the right to roam in Scotland is a very important thing to be able Beautiful. to, yeah, to be able to walk where you want to walk as long as you don't damage or hurt anyone. That's this land should be for everyone, but unfortunately, to respect. Yeah, man. This the, England is England is slowly becoming more locked off, and to go in to walk across a field, you could potentially get in trouble with an authority because that field isn't yours, even though it's kind of everyone's. Living under the Tories for this long, you notice a hell of a lot of oppression more and more coming in there like under the guise of covid they've brought in so many laws that attacked the privacy and individualistic like the collection of data now being the most important commodity over oil well we're being punished as as a as a as the uk we are being punished by the failures of a banking system with austerity and austerity just means taking more from those who haven't got anything anyway and that has affected everything and i think that one of my reasons to want to go out and make music and show people to, to express yourself is key to understanding yourself and seeing the bigger picture it, it is this fact that we have been living under kind of quite a quite an oppressive idea of what freedom is actually and quite an oppressive idea of of what normality is and um COVID Mug spreader is, brings freedom exactly <laughs> me mental and physical freedom that's that's what it should be uh, i think that i think that covid has has highlighted issues which have been sat just under the surface and been kind of papered over by consumerism for so long that actually there's only so much clicking online you can do to buy stuff there's only so much time you can be looking at someone else's instagram before you start thinking well, what am i doing with myself like how can i how can i actually do something positive rather than consuming whether it is monetarily or whether that is digitally or however you do it but consumption for me consumption is at, is is kind of a problem and i think that that you can become bloated it's the same as when you eat too much you become lethargic once you've taken in too much of others ideas you become less aware of what your own self is saying and you 
You're, you're weighed down by consumption. Yeah, there's a lot of false idols, man. It's been, and it's being pushed on us more and more, like the gl the gluttony of content. It's kind of, it kind of repulses me, but that's beautiful. I say that from a position of of still wanting to consume. <laughs> that's it's an interesting idea as well. How do you create art without falling into those patterns and slipping into the mix of that? You join Muck Spreader. You join first off. You join <laughs> Muck Spreader, and secondly, I I I did a I did a degree in fine art. And all that seemed to do for myself was to basically put me off for a very long time the idea of creating art in that way, either painting or sculpture or photographs. It put me off, probably for wrong reasons. But for me, the beauty of music is that it can be created for free using anything you can make you can make a rhythm you can make you can make a note out of an inanimate an, an object and the beauty is is once you've got your microphone and a, and a recording device you can then capture that and you can spread that out so you can use these tools that are, exist around us which could be seen as evil in order to spread something that's joyous or spread something that really shows your inner workings and, and what's going on inside you and it doesn't take pencils or paper or uh, using metal or wood or concrete it's 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 around us i mean you could say that yeah sometimes you need... it's just a conversation exactly that's what a podcast is sometimes yeah exactly i like we're, that's why again we're so grateful to be brought on to do this because we love to chat <laughs> <laughs> and this is the, per the the perfect sort of format for us you know we should have sent you a photo of the setup that we've done ourselves here, <laughs> sitting in a couple, sitting in a couple of recliners. Yeah, a couple of recliners, looking at the the flat that I used to live in opposite in the council block. This where I lived in a guardian scheme, and now that's been knocked down to make space for the new houses, where all the people from the estate here in the borough of Hackney, just on the edge of Shoreditch, and we're looking at the new build, the Union Jack flags on the old estate, and seeing this like. The constant change, the drive, the driving factors of what makes what makes a city keep needing to grow is to constantly consume and create more money. You spoke about this, I think, a little bit as well in the Vivian Westwood thing you did. You know how we're living through this time where it feels like everything is kind of crashing and burning and eating itself alive. Yeah, it's well. There's no way that this is sustainable. Where does it stop, though? How does it stop? Is it well with Mark Spreader? <laughs> we're trying to create a mass awakening so that we can <laughs> rush forward the stopping. I'm not sure it's going to happen in my lifetime, but I, I believe that a change is going to come, as Sam Cook said. But you look like now we're leaving it down to people like Greta Thunberg. She's she's a young girl and she's having to have the weight with I have so much faith in this new generation and the way that they're protesting and standing up for the rights and being anti-discriminatory against everything. I think once we get these old middle class white guys out of parliament that eventually we will end up with governments that more represent the people because the generation beneath us, they're hungry for change. They're so much more aware of it than what I've ever, like in my lifetime that I've noticed and I speak with my, my family and my friends that are older, they've never known a generation like this with so much hunger in order to change it. That's accelerating the crashing and the burning. I think that also to talk about how's it going to change, I don't know if it is going to change in our lifetimes, but I do believe that in terms of what someone can do as an individual there's very small actions that have a huge impact because we are sort of enslaved by the idea of consumers and we are enslaved by this idea that you have to have this that and the other a perfect example and i mean the the man the man's a footballer but if you've got a guy like ronaldo going into a press interview and moving two bottles of coca-cola and then holding up a bottle of water and saying dropping the share that, price by two billion four billion four billion <laughs> that those kind of actions yes he has got a platform and yes he is he's got that position through his skill in football but what he is saying and what that gesture means to anyone is that you have a choice something like coca-cola is not good for you something like coca-cola is put alongside sporting events which coca-cola admits itself there is absolutely no nutritional value to drinking coca-cola you might as well just be eating sugar but if you say to yourself if i can i can stop coca-cola growing by just not buying coca-cola it's like things like that are very simple. It's like I'm not going to buy six or seven outfits this year. I'm going to use the ones I've got. I'm going to go buy second-hand clothes. You know, there's so many little actions you and can take. You it's know? each individual 
constantly remembering if we can all as individuals try to make the right decision the best that we can then change will come it's about understanding the power like as a consumer you're voting with your wallet everywhere that you spend a pound a dollar a riad a fucking dallacy therefore you're choosing what you're investing in what you're giving power to is where you're spending your money because ultimately it is money that's running this thing money talks and that's the thing. If we if we can decide, so someone give yeah. us some money. Yeah. <laughs> so if if you can if you can decide that this product does better things for m- my body, this planet, the people around me, then then buy that thing because m- money is part of this structure. It's like you know, yeah, we could live in a fantasy where we don't have money, but it's part of the consumerism. We live we live in the end of the capitalist era, man. And this is like the the amount of corporate politics that goes on that really affects our government and who you know there's i could bring up many examples let's just for one moment we'll look at israel and palestine what reason do us as britain have to see an end to that conflict when we are the major suppliers of arms and weapons to israel what need is it for us to see a de-escalation of violence and those people to be given back their human rights to be let out of like a prison basically when we're pro- we're constantly profiting off of it hugely obviously they're not going to stop because again they're already concerned with only with money there's no need for any for people whatsoever in terms of the eyes of the government and the overbearing powers it's all it's all on money there's a huge disparity between political decisions and us as people I look think- at the summit look yeah. at the g7 summit that just happened those guys breaking all of the laws that they've put in against us with social distancing completely interacting as normal and we're just meant to be like oh great what you lot have all flown in from all over the world to try and tackle climate change boris johnson flew from london to cornwall to go and give a talk about how we're going to change and save the environment yeah i think think the paradox is hilarious yeah there's there's a train i think he could have taken but it's yeah it's (laughs) there's a bicycle he could have rode he promoted bicycles enough didn't he we're still calling these (laughs) these bikes boris bikes here he's so big on cycling he could have cycled to lands of growth I think that's the for, for the the biggest issue is that the government and corporation are lying so close to each other in that bed now that as a as a member of a society it's almost indistinguishable how political policies are created and how the interests of kind of corporation and capital is is being pushed into an idea of political policy. Do, do, does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But what? How does it become separated? Because you're saying that we're living in the end of the kind of capitalist era. What's going to pull that apart so that we can move forward? Us as individuals. Well, and the, yeah, us as individuals. But like, even if you look like, well, I can, I spend most of my time in London. So I can say like the rise of independent businesses is massive. People are moving away from big chains and stuff. It's, um, these are the smaller things of it going away. Like if you look at, was it John Lewis or Debenhams, whatever that man Philip Green owned, collapsing. You see that like, these huge corporations are slowly falling apart. I think that as, uh, to go back to it, it's like as as individuals, we can decide where we want to put our money. We can decide on where the capital is placed. And if you can start... If you can start making decisions on a daily basis of I'm going to buy this thing because it's organic. If you can't afford it, then you have to buy what you can afford. But it's just to have that in your head is to it is to vote your feet. Don't buy Coca-Cola. That's basically it. I mean, it's simple. Don't don't buy don't buy off clothing companies that use sweatshops that pollute the environment that have slave workers. You know, it's it's simple, but that we're, we're constantly being. And the more the more that you're in poverty, the less that your choices are allowed. Exactly. Like the less money that you have, the less right you are able to make these decisions. That you need to go to other places is like to to be poor. You you have to take whatever option is available to you essentially to get the food the cheapest you can you don't have the luxuries of thinking of organics and it's it's coming i have full faith in this coming and this changing that we can we can't go on like this decentralization of power 
That's yeah. Just stop stop shouting at us from the centre and and um, let people have communities. Let people yeah. know know their neighbours again. It feels so fragmented. Well, Lond- I'm talking from a London perspective. Yeah. I mean. Y- if you go up north or if you go down to Devon or if you go to Cornwall there's all sorts of other issues with with how land ownership is done with how housing is done the house ha- house prices man that's that's a whole that's a whole different yeah so like this the issues of housing here is ridiculous you know like the whole the whole city there's not many people even left from London in London anymore they're moved out because you ain't good enough. You can't afford to live this close to the centre of town. We're moving like Paris with the bagnoles where you push the people out far to the suburbs. If you don't see the trap, if you don't see the problem, it's easy to ignore. Mm. Where London's based on communities with huge council estates next to millionaires and everybody's very mixed down here compared to other cities like in Brazil, you've got the favelas. In Naples, there's the put like you've got Scampia, which is just on the outskirts, where they try to push you away. But in London, initially it went wrong and we were all mixed together and now they're slowly trying to get rid of all the trouble. Push us away, get rid of us, hate us. <laughs> Take us from our homes. This A lot of what we've been speaking about, it's coming back again to boys a little bit in terms of the idea of the individual and the artist being able to kind of galvanise the revolution and make an impact. A hundred percent. This is like the... The power of, I just want to, uh, for me personally, is empower each individual to feel strong enough to like make their own decisions based upon themselves. And I have enough faith in human beings that the majority of people will make the right decision. Like I regularly go around challenging racists and homophobes and any sort of bigotry. And people tell me not to. Why do people tell you not to? What's the reasoning for that when you... Because they fear that it will end in violence because... So, for example, yesterday I was in a pub in Deptford and a man had a white power T-shirt on. I'm with my friend from Jamaica and my other friend from Iraq and this man's in a white power T-shirt. He starts saying something and I say, I'm going to confront him. They're like, Luke, please, we don't have a fight. And I was like, no, 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 let me confront him. So I take him to one side outside, have a cigarette and ask him, why are you wearing this? Like you, your hands are swollen. You've got a black eye and broken foot. He's like, I keep finding myself in trouble. And I was like, well, because you're wearing this flagrant disregard for the majority of people. And he's like, oh, you must be some sort of Antifa. And I was like, no, I'm not Antifa. I'm humankind. And I challenge him and his views aren't racist. It's the same way. I've got a black mate. They'll stand there and be racist to you, but my mate's black, but my mate's black. It's, a, it's, it's an ignorance and a fear to mm. step out. Like They fear that they'll be persecuted. They don't even believe these things. But if I had the opportunity, I would smite Tommy Robinson, Stephen, whatever his real name is, where he has to hide in a segregated wing. There's no time for these views, not in 2021. He's also a symptom as well, though. Yeah, he's a, he's a symptom, but he perpetuates it. Lots of people like... Where I come from, like Stephen Lawrence was murdered at the end of my road. So it's very prevalent in the area where I grew up in Eltham. It's like known as the home of almost a BMP. It's severely racist. And these people, when you take them one-on-one without the crowd as individuals, their beliefs are not that. They will treat they will treat everybody equal in it, but they feel a fear of persecution, of not acceptance, but together they feel validated as if they're powerful. It's the same as football hooligans. Mm. None of those guys are tough. You ask any of those guys for a one-on-one stand-up fisticuffs, not one of them wants them. They look around and try to find their friends. I think some, the the space that Tommy Robinson, Nigel Farage, it, to, to some degrees Donald Trump have, have occupied is a space that has been created by the online by places like facebook by places like twitter it's it's it gives people who is it's giving people who feel this anger or this isolation and it gives people i think people naturally want to be part of something where where we come from hunter gatherers we've always had little groups that we want to be part of and what an online Tribal. platform yeah exactly and what an online platform does is it will perpetuate things these these 
bad thoughts people have and give them a platform where it becomes normalized and actually it breeds ignorance because they only talk within certain structural frameworks it's not more than that and again having to look to the next generation to do this we're having man like marcus rashford stand up to the politician he's a 21 or 22 year old boy part of this next generation who stands up for for this online hatred of people perpetually in their communities and those those same people will be wearing an England shirt and they'll be celebrating Raheem Sterling scoring at the weekend. There's an irony. There's a massive irony to it. But it's funny how the two people we've mentioned who are dealing with things is one's a Portuguese football player and the other one's an England football player. And, oh, and the other one's a young girl from Sweden. Yeah. But these, these people are part of a next generation that hopefully we come through and just say we don't accept this anymore. And if all of us stand up against it, like on an individual level with interactions, you challenge people not with aggression, but just with an with a need to like an inquiring mind to try and understand someone. And the more you make them explain mm. their thought of pattern being wrong, and let them keep explaining it, they slowly realise themselves. Well, what I'm saying sounds insane and ignorant. And it's like again, it's, it's education and fear. Is there almost a failure of the media in that regard as well then? Because if these people have platforms like Trump and whatever, why aren't they being taken down? Well, if you look like, they just they take Corbyn Trump's as an a example. because he never answers a question. Oh, but. sorry. Yeah, uh, no, I, I was I was just going to say that it's, that the media's role is to give balanced and fair opinions on, on very important issues. Are they doing that? I do don't know if they are again it comes back to the the money follow the big money where's the big money at and um i yep. think i think that yeah that's that that for me is is the reason that it what 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 sells newspapers what sells media media is sold on conflict media is sold on on anger media at the moment it seems to be sold on on things that make people have fear and like we you know we it's funny how we moved from the the age of terrorism which at the base of it is terror is being scared and we've moved into this kind of new corona era which is which is real and it's a fear of dying it's you know it's something that's very emotive and the media perpetuates a narrative which is there and i mean is it conspiratorial to say it but is it something to do with bigger businesses who have investments who have capital who are throwing it into these corporations are the media outlets owned by too small a group of people i mean that's that could that could be one argument or it's just that pe pe the people who are reading newspapers want simplistic and they don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole of how is this actually working i think it's yeah now the impact of the newspaper for me personally i lived with my grandparents for a while and they're both working class my granddad ran market stills in south london and my grandma worked in a bank but they both come from working class people now in their, they've always voted labor now in later life they vote tory they read the daily mail they read the Daily Mail delivered to the door every day. I would read it with them. And you can see how much it influences their opinions on immigration, on the royal family, on these things. If you, like, people literally take the newspaper and believe it as gospel. Like, even the, the evening standards here, if you look, I don't know if it's gone across the UK, but it's a free newspaper. And one of the columnists was, was fucking Boris Johnson and George Osborne. And you see now they have the same cronyism and support. It's run by a Russian oligarch. And they have the same cronyism and support for Boris. Now he's in power because he was an editor. He's a friend of the paper. I mean, on a smaller scale, well, it's the same reason that someone like Jeremy Clarkson is still allowed to survive in the mainstream. Because he's friends with everyone. There's, a, there's a funny story. We played a gig in a members club in West London and we go upstairs and there's old Clarkson and Jack who plays guitar in our band is a big boy. He's maybe six foot five and Clarkson sat there upstairs with two 20-something-year-old birds on his lap, takes both of the girls into the toilet with him to do whatever he decides to do. Maybe I hear him sniffling, maybe I don't. But he goes up to Jack and he's all right. You're all right, boy, little boy. He's only about an inch taller than him. The smugness of this man. We're here as much spreader to eradicate that. Yeah. The only thing to say on the other side of this, though, is that 
it's not good to cancel people too much. I think that there's to overreact to what people say is is not a good thing. I think everyone's harmful. Yeah, I think is I think everyone deserves a platform to say what they want to say. That's kind of integral to being in a free society. I don't think that we should harbor views or that are are negative towards others. I think that those views should be discussed and challenged and, and challenged and in in a, in a way that dumb, doesn't come across as you said something I don't like, I'm going to delete you because by that you're marginalizing people more and what we should be trying to do is bring people in and everyone feel coherent together that's 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 how things move forward rather than backwards you know yeah validating every opinion whether you agree with it or disagree with it it's the ability to compromise it's the same with us as a band like with the way that we make our music is that compromise is a is a constant part of it to like give up your own vision in order for the collective to make a sound coherent together. If one person decides to run off on their own tangent, then it ruins the whole of it. It works. It has a framework around it. But you but must succumb. Exactly. You have to remember that your your inward has to be part of the outward of the whole the whole creation. And I think that that it, yeah, it's a it's a metaphor for the way the wider world should work. Is that everyone should be given their individuality, but also see it in the context of a wider society. Back to the name of Muck Spreader, the whole thing's about throwing away a load of waste and filth in order to fertilize, in order to fertilize new ground to mm. grow something new from it. If you're out in the fields, they go spread muck in order to bring up crops that we can eat, that they can feed the cows on. I don't want to go into the issue of feeding the cows and the greenhouse gases it produces and eating meat, but... Well, that's almost that's something else you kind of touch upon a little bit on the EP, is animal cruelty and this kind of mass market slaughtering. So little <laughs> respect for animals, man. Even it's, it's the whole thing again of representing the underdog, those that don't have voices. Animals don't have voices. I believe they have deep social constructs as deep as ours in emotional intelligence but because we don't understand it we believe we can take priority over it they're sentient beings like we are just because they can't verbally communicate with us they're they're there in the same capacity as we are that's that's what i think and to be honest if 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 you can't kill an animal yourself don't eat one back when i was dumb and a carnivore exactly is a lyric from one of the tunes. And that's 50 pictures of your dad, isn't it? Yeah, 50 pictures of your dad. Back when I was dumb in a carnival in a white suit at carnival. <laughs> those bars. Not <laughs> about those bars. Wore the same suit for three days. You've, you've done your research, my G. I'm very impressed. I'm very impressed. <laughs> I can sense you're a mucker. Yeah. <laughs> when did you go veggie? When did you stop eating meat? Maybe about nine years ago now. But now I eat fish because I did feel weak, but mainly only oysters. And if I'm at a restaurant or something, because I'm too poor to afford to eat fish on my own at home, so much cheaper eating only vegetables. But I had a, uh, I was with an amazing woman who was vegan and had studied eating and I was eating meat around her. Then I was coming back from Spain and I ate a bacon sandwich at the airport. That brought me close to the edge. Then I got on an easy jet flight and thought, I'll have a bacon sandwich. And that damn sandwich tasted so bad that I can never eat meat again. <laughs> I think as well, though, it's okay. This is another interesting thing, like what you were talking a little bit earlier on about cancel culture, which is that kind of staunch my road, the high road or whatever. It's a similar thing with vegans sometimes. They can be very... You're allowed to have a slip-up if you know... Yeah, like, it's much more like to, it's okay. just to be conscious and aware. I'm not saying people don't eat meat, but like... If, if that is the staple of your diet, A, it's bad for your health. Primarily, if you're a selfish person, you're concerned with that. B, it's bad for the environment. C, it's bad economically. But if you do it and you're, con like you're conscious of eating meat and everyone eats a little less than what they was doing, then it makes sense. Like diet for me, I only ate meat growing up until I turned veggie. I only ate meat. I never tried a vegetable. The only vegetable I'd ever had was a raw carrot. When I first started hanging out with Luke, he was the king of the king of meat. He, the the change that has come about in Luke is is enlightening. You know, it's like I've I've kind of I'd never tried a vegetable before. I yeah, turned vegetarian. He would refuse to eat vegetables. I remember we would all wind him up about go and have that. No, 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 no. So it's 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 enlightening to you know. You, I think that what you're saying about the cancel culture and veganism though is is interesting, but. 
I think that that's just because to be a vegan is it seemed it was maybe ten years ago such a statement of who you were because I I grew uh, when I was you know in my early early twenties I was living in the squats you know I was really active in in protests and really on the ball with all this kind of stuff a lot more active than maybe I should be now but. The, for me, I always used to make a joke that all my vegan mates who I was living with, they they just enjoyed reading the back the back of back of packets just to go. Well, I can't eat that. But you know, we live in a different world. You got, I mean, you know, you know that you know that it's it's changing because you can go and buy vegan versions of KFC. Do you know what I mean? You can go, you can go to, you can go to fast food outlets now and buy vegan versions of stuff. So there, there's a there's a there's a shift. It's not so borderline as it used to be. Yeah, it used to be something, a badge to wear to come. Again, it's that looking for your tribe mm. and this. It brought with it a whole load of ethical values, potentially, that, that meant that you were akin to other people who are vegans. But now I think it's diluted a bit. And I think it's it's like, it's it's good to have a whole picture. Like Luke was saying, it's like, you've got, it, just because someone eats meat doesn't mean they're evil, doesn't mean they're bad. Just because someone's only a vegan doesn't mean they're an angel. Vegans can be assholes too. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? It's not, it doesn't give you a, a, this card to flash up when you walk into a club to be like, I'm vegan, I'm blessed. It's just like you've made conscious decisions with how, what you want to put into your body because your body is a temple. So, you know, that doesn't mean that you... That you doesn't mean a you're a selfish human being doing it for selfish reasons. Exactly. But loads of it does as well, like another major influence is like Discord Records in Ian Mackay with a minor threat and Fugazi where those guys were completely militant on their straight edge mm. vibes that we are I hark and feel and relate to the message those guys were spreading and still spread strongly mm. lead by example yeah don't tell anyone what they've got to do but just take care of yourself back to the individual bringing about change each person doing what is best for them, looking after themselves and trying in every opportunity to make the decision to be the best human they can. Educate people, but don't patronise people. What's the biggest change you've seen in each other since you've known each other? Hey, we're like, we're like brothers. It's very close. Yeah. <laughs> biggest... We've both grown up, you know. In 10 years or so of friendship, <laughs> I'd say we've both grown a little. Maybe a few more facial hairs, a yeah. couple more wrinkles. Couple more battle scars, <laughs> couple more, couple more limps every now and then. The ache in the morning after a heavy night. But that, don't don't doubt it. The the youthful energy has not left, and it shall never leave. Like that's it. Again, age is a state of mind. Like I have friends in my sixties who are they're much younger than even the 19, 20, 21 year olds that I know. More sprightly in their behaviours and their thoughts. That's it. It's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing and we all have the power to do it. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.